Today I'll review some of the fantasy impact of recent news, like which Rockies outfielder you should target since Ian Desmond opted out. Plus, I'll review the next in a series of stats that you can use to help you scout. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. Spring training is finally here, and with that, it's likely we've seen all of the major signings and trades we'll see for a while. There have been a few newsworthy moments in the past week, so let's get into that. Seattle Mariners president and CEO Kevin Mather resigned after some obtuse comments about his team. If you haven't heard these, you've got to go try to find the video. It's uh, pretty terrible. He essentially alienated everyone from high-level prospects to Japanese and Hispanic players uh, and even longtime veterans. So stepping down for him is the right thing. So on that topic, let's dig into Seattle's fantasy relevancy. Um, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of fantasy relevancy here. Maybe players like Ty France take a step, um, Tyler White. But I think two of the most enticing players on the Mariners for me are outfielders Kyle Lewis and Mitch Haniger. So Lewis had a solid 2020. He hit 11 home runs in 58 games. He showed the ability to steal. He increased his walk rate from the previous season as well. Although he didn't have... Uh, an exceptional hard hit rate. He showed improvements in just about every stat uh, from his brief stint in the in the majors in 2019. He hit more line drives on fly balls. He hit fewer ground balls. Uh, his home run to fly ball rate was a little more realistic, which backs up that he could hit 20 plus home runs this season. Uh, he decreased his chase rate and swinging strike rate. He increased his overall contact numbers. All of that is great. Most projections think he'll hit somewhere in the 240s, but the only thing that really points to a decrease in his batting average, the the 260-ish average he's posted the last two years, is his strikeout rate. Yeah, he's risky there, but uh, you know another 260 uh, batting average isn't out of the question. Uh, Mitch Haniger is another valuable player for the Mariners. He missed time in 2019. Uh, and he missed all of 2020 because of back issues, but uh, he appears ready to go this season. Haniger is probably going to be overlooked in a lot of uh, of leagues because of the missed time, because of the injury history, but the power that he provides is worth the risk, in my opinion, especially if you can get him late, um, you know, pick him up as like your third, fourth, or fifth outfielder. Uh, I think the, the value of where he'll likely go in drafts is uh, excellent. Um, on the pitching side, uh, Marco Gonzalez is the most likely candidate for fantasy relevancy, perhaps James Paxton too, but Gonzalez doesn't strike out enough batters for me to consider him more than a streamer. And I view Paxton the same way, but because of his injury history, not uh, strikeout potential. And then as far as prospects, Jared Kalanick is um, a prospect for Seattle that you need to keep on your radars. They expect him to be playing left field for most of the season, and he could be very, very good. Another news, Ian Desmond opted out again this season. So what does that mean for the Rockies' outfield configuration? 
The most likely scenario here is that uh, right field is manned by Charlie Blackman, despite his uh, defensive deficiencies. Um, And that leaves left field and center field open for a number of players, which could be problematic on its own that the time could be split between all of these guys. So none of these guys uh, may end up having fantasy value. Uh, but Rymel Tapia, Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, Jonathan Daza, and Brett Boswell could all see time in the outfield. So Tapia is a pure contact hitter. He'll get you batting average in fantasy, but that's about it. Uh, so you could see um, him in the outfield. He might get you double-digit steals uh, as well, but that kind of hinges on playing time. It's probably not going to be worth uh, it's probably not going to be enough steals that'll be worth drafting unless you're in a deep league or an NL only league um, that bumps his value up a little bit Hampson is someone I view similarly he doesn't have a ton of pop uh, but he could get you some steals although it's likely he won't get you the average to go along with it uh, that Tapia will Daza and Boswell so those guys are young rookie eligible players they likely won't get the playing time to be relevant. Um, If they do well, you know, obviously keep an eye on them. But um, Sam Hilliard is is the one out of all of them that I could see being relevant in the Rockies outfield. He's a good uh, hard contact spread. He's got good hard contact numbers. He can put the ball in the air. He's hit double-digit home runs and had double-digit steals multiple times in the minors. He just hasn't seen enough at-bats in the majors to approach that. So that's something that I like. Uh, he strikes out too much to give you good batting average. So that potential for a 2020 season, uh, 20 home runs, 20 steals, is going to come along with the potential of a 20, uh, 220 to 230 batting average. So he could be a solid player to stash on your bench. Um, or if you've got enough batting average throughout the rest of your team uh, to balance out his average, you could have him be one of your outfielders. Uh, watch him and watch the the outfield layout in spring training uh, to see who's getting time where. And then last year, and sort of the big news is the return of Eduardo Rodriguez to the Boston Red Sox. So Rodriguez had complications uh, from COVID-19. He had myocarditis. He missed all of last season. It it was scary. It could have been life-threatening, but he's returning to the mound this season So what are expectations for him and the rest of the Red Sox staff this year? Well, Rodriguez has solid strikeout numbers, uh, over nine strikeouts per nine innings, which we like. I think his ceiling is probably around a 350 ERA, and the floor is probably around a four. Uh, So you know know kind of what you're going to get with him. You know you cannot draft him to be your ace, Um, but he's still definitely uh, fantasy-relevant. Uh, definitely worthy of of a draft pick for sure. It's also likely that they'll limit uh, his innings because uh, of missing all of last season, and that also could limit his value a little bit. Um, I like the strikeout potential. I like the ERA range enough to draft him in the later rounds as sort of a flyer and and see what I get. We'll also see Nate Ivaldi in the rotation again. He's steadily been able to increase his strikeout numbers over his career. And he's done that by adding in a cutter and a splitter and throwing those pitches and his curveball more often. 
and his fastball less often. And I love when you can look at a tangible thing that a pitcher is doing to kind of see that the the stat line they're producing is legit. And that's what you get with Evaldi. He's got a good mix of pitches. Uh, one thing I really like looking at the metrics is that his last two seasons, his BABIP shows he's dealt with some bad luck. So that five plus ERA in 2019 probably should have been better. 370 ERA last year could have been even better too. I like the potential for Rivaldi to take another step forward this season. Uh, I think we'll see Tanner Houck and Martin Perez in the rotation as well. I just don't think they'll be fantasy relevant beyond streaming options. And I think the Red Sox did something incredibly smart this season, knowing it's likely they'll have to limit innings uh, for all of their pitchers because of the shortened season last year. They picked up a couple of guys who can start or come in in relief. So Garrett Richards could be an interesting option this season. He's an injury risk, but uh, in his last 31 starts, which is about a full season, he's pitched to a 331 ERA. Uh, so that's interesting. Nick Pavetta and Matt Andrees are also options there, but I like them less for fantasy. The first spring training games start on February 28th, so it's important if you haven't started already, start scouting now, start prepping now. After the break, I'm going to continue reviewing some important sabermetric and other stats that you can use to help you identify players you want and don't want to draft and help you make moves during the season. So we'll get to that right after a word from my sponsor. So in the last few weeks, we've covered hard contact rate and BABIP and why those are important stats to consider when you're scouting during the preseason or making moves during the season. So you also want to look at players' line drive, fly ball, and ground ball percentages as well. And let's first establish this. Not every batter is equal. And what I mean by that is power hitters are going to be more prone to hit fly balls, while those wiry speedster type players are likely to hit more ground balls. So you can't look at batters the same way, uh, and you can't look at their, their ground ball, fly ball, line drive percentages the same way. So when we're talking about those things, those percentages, it's basically what it says on the surface. They're the different types of balls that a player uh, will hit. It's important though to understand the meaning of those stats uh, in terms of uh, what they mean for particular players. So when you look at these metrics, you want to look at individual players. Um, so these stats are all related, but let's get into how they're related and what sort of players fit different profiles. So one general rule is that batters who hit more line drives than ground balls are going to do better because it, it, it makes it less likely that the player is going to ground out. So if you're more of a line drive hitter than a ground ball hitter, that's good. The tough comparison comes between fly balls and ground balls. So ground balls tend to go for hits more often than fly balls, actually. But the, other, the, the flip side is that fly ball outs usually produce more runs because of sacrifice flies. So you have to do a little bit more research player by player when you compare things like ground ball and fly ball. And luckily, there's a stat called ground ball fly ball rate. Uh, it's usually a ratio, which I'll get into next week, that helps kind of paint that picture um, if you really want an idea of what the line drive, 
ground ball fly ball data means you need to look at the type of contact being generated and you need to look at the BABIP to determine the significance of those stats. So all these things that I'm going over all kind of work together. You can find all of this on Fangraphs. It's very easy, very user-friendly. Um, so to kind of start looking at like player profiles, let's take a look at 2020 uh, National League MVP Freddie Freeman. So 31% of his hits were for line drives, meaning a third of the balls that he hit were not grounded out to the infield and were not pop-up flies to the outfield. These are the difficult balls to catch for the defense. These are balls that are hit hard. Uh, and so they give you an understanding of how Freddie Freeman keeps his average up and is so productive with the bat. In addition to that, his ground ball rate was 31%, which is incredible. The farther you can get away from a 50% ground ball rate, the better. And the fact that he hit only 31% of his balls on the ground means he's less likely to be grounding out into uh, to the infield. His fly ball rate was 37%, which is much higher than a player like Jose Iglesias, for example, whose 2020 fly ball rate was 21%, in large part because Freeman's a power hitter and Jose Iglesias is not. So you can see that Freeman's 37% fly ball rate was productive because his fly balls turned into home runs or productive outs. And that's evidenced by, you know, home runs and RBI. Uh, you can also determine the productivity of those fly balls by looking at a stat called home run to fly ball percent, which is something I'll review next week too. Uh, one player that I want to present as sort of a different profile is uh, 2019 Jay Bruce, um, who was productive, but um, is he profiles very differently. And it turned out that uh, his stats later in the season uh, what he did in the beginning of the season was unsustainable. So early in 2019, Bruce had a 17% line drive, 25% ground ball, and an astronomical 56.9% fly ball rate. This will happen to players during the season. And what you have to do when you see something like this is look at uh, the other stats around him. So the reason I don't like players like this where they have this crazy high fly ball rate is because there's a good chance that a lot of these fly balls are actually outs. Um, so again, that's something you can look at the home run to fly ball rate and find out uh, how many of those fly balls actually turned into home runs. You can also look at hard contact rate. Now, if a player like that with a 57% fly ball rate has a, you know, a really high hard contact rate, then maybe I would be a believer, right? I'd have leaned towards thinking he was legit, but his hard contact was not very high. And so that made me think, all right, we, what he is doing is unsustainable. And it turns out it was. Um, another different type of player profile who doesn't have like eye-popping numbers uh, in terms of line drive, ground ball, fly ball uh, percentages is Fernando Tatis, whose 2020 splits were 16% line drive, 48% ground ball, which normally we wouldn't think of as very good, and a 35% fly ball rate. So what I see is a fly ball rate I like, 
but a higher ground ball percent and a lower line drive percent than I'd like. Uh, to me, this is a product of Tatis being a slightly different type of hitter than Freeman. He's still got the power, but he isn't the type of contact hitter that Freeman is. And you can see that by looking at their contact numbers. Uh, although Tatis can crush the ball, he still doesn't put the ball as perfectly on the bat, uh, or the bat as perfectly on the ball as a player like Freeman does. Yes, the home runs are great, um, but that explains, kind of explains his good but not great line drive numbers. The important thing to note here about his ground ball rate is that he's actually fast enough to beat out some of those ground balls. Uh, and he's a good enough hitter that those ground balls generally go where the fielders aren't. Plus, he also has great hard contact rate, elite hard contact rate. So a lot of those ground ball hits are probably too quick for the in, uh, infielders to get to. So if you remember anything from all of this, remember to look at line drive, ground ball, and fly ball percentages player by player and look at those stats in conjunction with other stats. I know this is a lot to digest, but hopefully it makes sense for you. And we'll dig into some other uh, things uh, next week. So I'll take a look at ground ball to fly ball rate and home run to fly ball rate to give you a better idea and a deeper understanding of what we reviewed today. These are all stats that you can look into as you scout for your coming season that you can use to make decisions during the season. So make sure you've subscribed here so you're notified when those new episodes publish. New episodes are out every Wednesday. Uh, I'm currently writing uh, baseball, fantasy baseball, and baseball betting articles for thegameday.com. Uh, so check my articles out there. Again, it's thegameday.com. I've had a few articles published already, a lot more on the way um, through March. Uh, one recent article that's published is five under the radar signings that could pay off. So go check that out. I'll be writing about some things that I cover here on the podcast. I might spend more time on uh, certain players that I don't cover here or some entirely different material, lots of betting stuff. So make sure you check out thegameday.com. Also, check out creativesports2.com. That's the number two, where I'll have a column out on Thursdays covering various baseball and fantasy baseball topics. The first article there will be out tomorrow. And finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating is going to move my podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps me out. And you can follow me on various social media platforms as well. Fastball Fantasy Baseball on Instagram and Fastball Pod on Twitter. And feel free to email the show as well at fastballfantasybaseball at gmail.com. Uh, any questions, ideas, comments are welcome. And thanks for listening.